1: You're listening to What Do You Know on News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM. Arnie Sherman, good
2: Sunday morning to you. Good morning, Scott. How are you? Well, thank you. You know, we're a month or so into the new year and a couple of weeks into uh, the Biden administration. And I have two initial comments about that. One is... I wake up every morning now, and the first thing I think of is is not what I was thinking about for the last four years, which is, what could the President of the United States have said last night that I, you know, that I missed, that I have to go and, and right, turn on right, right. the news to listen to? But more seriously, I'm very disturbed that the covid plan for this country and the covid reserve that was supposed to be there and all of that is was an illusion you right. know we didn't have a plan and we don't didn't have a reserve and we're sitting here now in missoula waiting to get vaccines and they're dripping in and that's the same phenomena around the country and uh Today, we're going to talk with uh, our incident commander here, Cindy Farr, about, you know, what the future looks like. But I'm very disappointed and, and angry to the extent that uh, about the most fundamental health care issue facing the world and this country, we did not have an honest, um, you know, taking of it uh, or a sharing of it with the with the country.
1: Right. And, uh, and an appreciation and, uh, of science and uh, of, of how important that is. And, letting and it us- was
2: for political reasons, for no other reasons except political reasons. And that's, yep. uh, you know, there are hundreds of thousands of lives that were lost as a result of a political decision. And, and that's not uh, a good, uh, you know, testimonial to, a, you know, to America's leadership and uh, to this country as being a country of, of exceptionalism.
1: Agreed. So our guest is our our guest is Cindy Farr from the uh, City County, Missoula City County Health Department and the leader of the COVID-19 incident. Frequent guest and uh, lots of good information from Cindy, I'm sure. All right. I'll see you right after the
0: break. Beachcoming. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the
3: ones who get it done. Alcohol. Kids make choices whether to drink or not.
4: Bye, Dad. Remember, I'm going to Alex's party tonight and sleeping over. Oh, hey, am. Uh-
3: Remind me about that party
2: again.
1: And adults make choices whether to talk about it. That's true of parents and every other trusted adult in a kid's life. Kids want to know our expectations, and they want honest answers in everyday conversations. So talk with your kids and help lead them on a positive path, because when you talk, they hear you. Learn more at underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. Arnie Sherman, we are back with our dear guest, Cindy Farr, who's with the County of Missoula. COVID-19
2: response. Yes, and she's incident commander. Every time I think of Cindy as incident commander, for some reason, I see her in my mind on the bridge of the Starship Enterprise trying to steer us through this COVID pandemic. So welcome back, Cindy. It's it's always good to talk to you.
4: Thank you, and I love that image that you just put us. Thanks for having me
2: on. That title just evokes that in me. So... uh, Tell us exactly, I don't even know how to say this, really, because it changes every day. Can you give us like a status update of where we are in Missoula and where we're headed and what people ought to be paying attention to and all of those sorts of things as we now are, you know, a year into this almost?
4: Yeah. So currently in Missoula County, we are still continuing to see a see an increase in cases of COVID nineteen. I know that a lot of people like to think that because we're starting to roll out the vaccine that you know the end is on the horizon. Um, but we are continuing to see the spread of COVID nineteen. We've been getting anywhere from thirty to eighty cases a day. Um, so it hasn't really slowed down that much. Um, We know that we have made it through uh, all of the 1A group for vaccinations and moved into the 1B group. But the one thing that I want everyone to know is that um, the estimates for Missoula County population for the number of people that might fit into that 1B category for vaccinations is approximately 39,000 people. And right now, the amount of vaccine coming into Montana is pretty limited, and the allocation for Missoula County is roughly 1,500 doses of first-dose vaccine per week. So as you can imagine, we're trying to um, get as many people vaccinated as quickly as we can, but really the... The thing that's holding us up is the vaccine availability. And it's happening like that nationwide. It's not just in Montana. There's just a limited amount of vaccine available for everyone.
2: So if I do, if the math is correct, that means if we don't get an increase over 1,500 a week, it could be seven months before everybody in 1B gets the first dose. Am I
4: right? That is correct. That's if everyone who is eligible in 1B wanted to go ahead and get vaccinated. We know that the uptake is not usually that high. Um, We would like to see at least 80% of eligible people um, receive the vaccine, Um, but even then we're still looking quite a long ways out unless unless at the federal level more vaccine becomes available.
2: So would it be fair to say that The outgoing former administration did not really have a very well laid out plan for vaccine distribution.
4: I think that they did not have a very well laid out plan for vaccine distribution, and what we're seeing is that there's just a lot more people who want to get vaccinated than what the vaccine that is available. And while Operation Warp Speed did get the vaccine produced in a fairly short turnaround, whenever it's you look at comparing it to other developments in vaccine, um, the it's still coming out slowly enough, and it's it's just sort of trickling down to us. And we're having to coordinate at the local level because unlike the last pandemic, which was the H1N1 flu pandemic, where all of the vaccine went to the health department and then the health department made sure that it got distributed, um, they're trying to have more points of of care where people can receive the vaccine. But we have such limited doses of vaccine right now that it's making it harder to, um, to coordinate that plan.
2: So for our listeners that are not completely familiar, we are we have finished up 1A, there's 1B, there's 1C, and can you describe just briefly, you know, who fits into 1B, who fits into 1C, and then what happens after that?
4: Yeah, so people that, um, so 1A I think most people know is, was for people that are healthcare providers on the front line, they're taking care of patients. Um, That does include people like dentists, um, physical therapists, it's, it's healthcare providers. Um, So then we move into phase one B and phase one B vaccines are available to people who are 70 years of age and older. And then those who are 16 to 69 years of age with high risk medical conditions. Um, It also includes American Indians and other people of color, because Mm -hmm. we know that they are at higher risk of having bad outcomes from COVID-19. And then when we move into phase 1c that includes frontline essential workers um so people who are working in the grocery stores at gas stations you know if you're a frontline worker then you would fit into that 1c category um and it also includes people aged 60 years and older um, who are healthy individuals living in congregate care and correctional facilities people that are 16 to 59 with medical conditions that are not included in 1b um, and then phase two is basically for everybody else that doesn't fit into one of those prior phases.
2: So it's suffice to say that if we don't get a lot more vaccine distribution, it's going to be a long time before people in 1C and phase two ever get a chance to be vaccinated here in Missoula County, right?
4: Yes, that is correct. If it, if it continues to trickle in at 1,500 doses per week, then we are likely going to be, you know, midsummer by the time that we are able to move into Phase One C, and then after that into Phase Two. And so we're really hoping, and um, we're just really optimistic that other vaccine, um, other vaccine manufacturers are going to come out with a good vaccine that that will then increase the amount of vaccine that's available to Americans, and in turn help us move through those phases a little bit quicker. But at the current rate that that we're looking at, it's going to be a while.
2: And are we getting the uh, Pfizer vaccine and the Moderna vaccine or both? What are we we getting here?
4: Yeah, we're getting both. So the Pfizer vaccine um, is available to entities and organizations that have the ultra-low cold storage availability and the moderna still has to be kept in a freezer but it doesn't have to be that ultra cold storage. And so um, dependent upon the refrigeration at different organizations um, is going to depend on what what brand of vaccine that you receive. Um, and basically the way those two are the only ones that are on the market right now and we're just hoping that more will come on the market.
2: And do we see one is better for a particular group than the other, or they have you know, equal amount of, uh, of vaccine protection?
4: Yeah, they have equal amount of vaccine protection. There's really not any difference in between the two, except that one of them, you have to get the booster at 28 days, and the other one, you have to get the booster at 21 days. And there's just enough difference between the two that they are not meant to be um, intermingled. So if you got Moderna for your first dose of vaccine, then you want to your booster to also be Moderna. Or if you got Pfizer, your booster also needs to be Pfizer. There just hasn't been enough time and research to be able to tell if those two are interchangeable.
3: Right.
2: So far, um, the what what has been the patient reaction in Missoula County so far? You know, you hear about people having negative reactions to the uh, vaccine or having some, you know, difficult days afterwards. What's our experience been so far?
4: Yeah. So the experience that I've heard um, from my colleagues and and other uh, people that we collaborate with in the community is that most people are not having uh, much of a reaction when they receive that first dose, that they might get a little bit sore. It feels a lot like when you get your tetanus shot. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people are pretty familiar with that. It really feels like you got kicked in the arm by a mule. And so that's, it's very similar to that. Um, with Then a couple after getting the vaccine, um, after that first dose, people are, you know, might feel a little bit tired, have a little low grade fever. It's very similar to how you feel after you get a flu shot. And that's not a reaction. um, That's not like you're getting COVID. It's more your immune system is doing what you want it to do and it's responding and it's it's working. And that's why you get that little low grade fever and you might feel a little fatigued. I have heard though that people after the second dose of the COVID-19 vaccine are having more reactions and sometimes they're getting a lump on their arm or a little bit of redness and they might have more exacerbated symptoms of you know feeling fatigued, running a low grade fever for a couple of days, um, really just kind of feeling like they got the flu. And it's just that booster dose is causing the immune system to react that much stronger to the vaccine.
2: Cindy, so, what, to what extent is the vaccine a silver, silver bullet? Do we know whether a vaccinated person can transmit the virus? Yeah. How do you know if you really are protected from the virus? Do you still need to continue to wear a mask after you take the vaccine? What are the what are the parameters and and the uh, precautions around this?
4: Yeah. So we still don't know a lot of those answers at this time. The recommendation is that even if you have been vaccinated even if you've gotten both doses and you you know have been fully covered with the vaccine that if you were to be exposed to someone with covid that you should still quarantine um, for that mm-hmm. 10 day period because they believe that you could still potentially get it no vaccine is 100 percent effective and so um, with this vaccine we do know that it causes people to have less severe forms of the illness so if you get sick with it and you've been vaccinated then you are less likely to end up in the hospital or end up on a ventilator um, Mm. and you're more likely to get over it a little bit quicker Um, but they do believe that you you know there are still going to be instances where you might be able to catch the the virus even after having been vaccinated.
1: Cindy let me so let me ask you a question so how often are you coordinating communication with the city Uh, Obviously, you represent both the city and the county of Missoula, but is there like a regular cadence of, 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 you know, group meetings or calls or Zoom meetings to kind of talk about progress and where things are?
4: Yeah, so um, we have um, daily meetings where our vaccine coordination team that was um, stood up by... Uh, the county under the Emergency Operations Center, they're the ones that are helping to get that information out on COVID-19.missoula.co website. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're essentially just trying to make sure that the public has access to all of the information about where and how they might get a vaccination in Missoula County.
0: Mm-hmm. And we're
4: in meetings with them at least twice a day, some days more than that, um, we also have our health emergency advisory team meetings um, weekly with our various different uh, collaborative groups. So we have one for hospitals and clinics. We have one for Um, pharmacies, long-term care, um, our people who serve our homeless population. So we have a variety of different health emergency advisory team meetings um, during the week, each week, to make sure that those very specific populations are given the information that they need in order to um, serve those populations. We Mm. also have, um, weekly meetings with, uh, the Missoula area command. And usually Ellen attends those weekly meetings. And that includes the, um, superintendent of MCPS schools, the mayor, the commissioners, the, the, um, you know, like a whole grouping of, of high level leaders.
1: So, cause it's, what's interesting to me is that there's so many moving parts, In preparation, uh, you didn't know a pandemic was coming in 20, at the end of 2019, beginning of 2020. Had you guys always prepared for something like this, like having procedures in place to be able to kind of snap into action? Or did you kind of have to improvise once this all kind of hit the community?
4: Yeah, we have um, plans and procedures in place for standing up our team and really being able to um, go from our normal health department operations into what we call incident command. Mm-hmm. And that is how we're able to expand and contract to whatever level is needed to respond to an incident. And we use that for all kinds of outbreaks. So um, we were using our incident command structure whenever we had a pertussis outbreak a couple of years ago. Um, mm-hmm. It's also used for other types of, of health emergencies. And so that's the um, that's what happened immediately when we saw that um, COVID-19 was starting to spread worldwide. Then we, when, it, when it got out of China and we got first report that it was out of China, then we went immediately into our incident command structure and started bringing on additional help. Um, of course, we had no idea at the time that it was gonna turn into such a huge, long-lasting response. Um, but that is what we prepare for, and that's what we've got plans for, and we actually have what's called a emergency operations pandemic plan that we hmm. were able to turn to to say, okay, here are all of the considerations that we need to think about to, um, to respond to this kind of pandemic.
1: And you're really the face of the city-county relative to COVID-19. Are you the Anthony Fauci of Missoula and Missoula County?
4: I don't know if I would say that, but yes, I I am the face for um, the COVID-19 response. Um, I do collaborate with my colleagues, and I um, consult with our infectious disease um, doctor that is our consultant, Dr. David Christensen. Um, So I I have a a lot to to attribute to the collaboration, and um, I just happen to be the most recognizable face.
2: So, Cindy, what are the most common misconceptions or misunderstandings about the virus and the vaccine that people have? You know, you've got you're into this for you know months and months now. What would you like to tell our listeners? You know about what they you know what they should know.
4: I think that one of, the, um, one of the themes that we're hearing now that I would want people to um, know that we're hearing it and know that we, we understand it is that people don't want to get tested because they don't want to have to go into isolation. And what that is um, I, understandable. We've all been dealing with this for almost a year and I totally get it. Um, but the important thing for people to remember is that that is the only way that we are gonna get back to normal is for people to get tested when they are having symptoms, follow those isolation precautions, follow the quarantine precautions, because if we can put a lid on the virus and get the numbers down to where they're manageable, then we can start to to go back to a normal way of life. Um, but as long as we've got disease that is spreading rampant throughout the community and people are not wanting to follow those precautions and they're not wanting to social distance and they don't want to wear the masks. We're in this holding pattern until we can get um, what we call herd immunity and that means that we get enough people vaccinated that there are so few people susceptible to COVID 19 in our community that we are able to control the virus. And so, um, the, the more we can get people to follow the precautions, even though I know. COVID fatigue is a thing, and we are all fatigued. We're tired of hearing about it. We're tired of being told what we need to do to um, stop the spread. But that really is one of the biggest things that that we're hearing right now is nobody wants to get tested because they don't want to quarantine. They don't want to isolate. And that's just going to perpetuate the spread in the community.
2: So the Madam Prime Minister of New Zealand recently just said New Zealand is COVID-free. I know it's not a large com- country; it's only five million people, and it's an oceanic country, so it's you know it's easier to protect their borders. But what did New Zealand do that we didn't do?
4: I think that some of these smaller countries really put a bigger lockdown on people. And, you know, in America, we do pride ourselves as being the land of the free and the home of the brave. And, you know, we don't like to be told what to do and we don't like restrictions being imposed upon us. And so um, I think in some of these smaller countries, they they did impose those restrictions and they imposed hard restrictions for long periods of time. And that's how they were able to eradicate the virus. We also um, don't but, like being
1: sick. We also don't like being yeah, yeah. Sick. Don't, I don't like to be dead.
2: So, <laughs> yeah, right, and you don't like your neighbors to kill you. So and I, that's my, I feel very bad if I ended up killing you. It was my fault. I would fault. feel
1: terrible. We got to grow up as a country, though, and I understand this rugged individualism, but in the face of a pandemic, kind of all that's out the window.
2: Uh, well, A lot of it had to do with, I think, Cindy knows, with you know, with a lot of misinformation. You know, it's not any different than the flu. I have people that I That I think are very intelligent and, you know, are well educated and hold high positions that tell me there's no more people dying in 2020 than died in 2019, which isn't true. But they believe it. They've read it somewhere. It was presented to them somewhere. You know, and as we know, facts are stubborn things, but we're in a period of our history where facts and basic science are being disputed and has a big following. But let me ask Cindy this you know ma- the mask mandates and of these other precautions have been controversial as as we've were alluding to, and some health departments have been harassed to the extent that people have resigned or moved. you know how has your department here you know fared in all of this?
4: Uh, we definitely have had our fair share of threats <laughs> um and it's unfortunate because I think that a lot of people look at us as you know, figureheads and that we're not doing the right thing for for the community and that, you know, we're imposing restrictions where we shouldn't be. Um, And I I would like people to know that we are real people with real families and real lives outside of our jobs. And we really are doing our jobs to the best of our ability to try and protect as many people as we can. Um, But yeah, we've definitely, while I have not had the experience that the Gallatin County Health Officer had where he had people literally protesting in front of his house, For days and days, and he's got small children at home, so I I can't imagine trying to explain to your six-year-old why you've got protesters on your lawn for 10 days at a time. Uh, We haven't experienced that here in Missoula, but we have definitely gotten our fair share of threats.
2: You know, and so, and what are they... Want to do? They just want everybody to not have masks, everything to be open, and let the chips fall where they may. Is that the alternative that they're, you know, so strongly advocating for?
4: Yeah, that that is what they're advocating for, and they're also um, not believing in the science, kind of what you just alluded to. That there's great divisiveness in our country right now, and people either lean one hard way or the other. And they, they, there seems to not be a lot of middle ground. And so that is what we're hearing is that we're all liars and making up the numbers and none of it is true. And um, that we should just let life go back to normal.
2: Right. And let millions more people die. You know, but they don't believe that that's the case. They believe that the people that are dying are dying from something else, or they're lying. I've heard people say that people at CDC get more money for reporting the COVID deaths than other deaths, so they're jacking up the numbers. They don't understand obviously how the CDC works. It's not a private entity; it's part of government. They don't get more money. You know, they're not on commission. They're their government employees. I mean, but the logic doesn't really matter. It's uh, it's. Um, you know, it's, it's news that's customized to, customized to feed a certain perspective on things, and it's unfortunate. I mean, we've always had a little bit of this, but in my lifetime, I've never seen such an anti-science bias in a country that considers itself the beacon of liberty and democracy right. to be so anti-science. Marty, <laughs> I think this, I was gonna say,
1: I think this places a great deal more emphasis on a civics class in your public's education, right? We kind of used to take that for granted, health and civics. Now, more than ever, I think we need to kind of refocus our students and our young people on: this is how government works, this is how local government works, this is who says what, so that Cindy and her team and the mayor and their team can be trusted
2: resources. Yeah, the government's not the enemy. It's not. You know, but Cindy's, people, it's Cindy's been not the politicized. enemy. Politicized. It's been overly well, politicized. You don't trust it. For a particular point of view. I mean, you know, frankly, and you know, the administration, you know, w- didn't have a good plan. They weren't sure what to do. The plan was based on politics. I mean, Dr. Fauci has as much admitted it recently. He feels free now to talk because before he was being, you know, you know criticized and, and turned down right. and toned down. He wasn't able to speak for two months. You know, he's the leading authority in the country. You should be listening to him. But politics trumped. To, to use the expression You know, right. good health policy <laughs> For political reasons And, uh, we, 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 you know People have died as a result 400,000 plus people have died
1: Yep, let's do a quick ID. Our guest is Cindy Farr She is the incident commander of the COVID-19 response With the city and county Missoula City and County Health Department um, Cindy, we're not going to try to lure you into a political no. conversation but, <laughs> No,
4: that's okay
1: <laughs> But I do, you know, what are you hearing kind of in locally now that there's a new administration from the federal level? Are you And getting, from the state I, level. And state level. Good point. So what are you hearing from on the state side? And then what are you hearing from the federal side? Let's start with state.
4: So on the state side um, we do have a lot of support from our new governor's office to um, roll the vaccine out as quickly as we can continue to you know respond to the pandemic in the way that we have been responding. He has also um, sort of followed the same lead as Governor Bullock and saying that you know counties really need to make that determination for their own populations based on the disease spread that they're seeing in their individual counties Um, and he is supportive of continuing the mask mandate for now. Um, On the federal side, we are starting to see more leadership more coordination, um, they're trying to put together a better plan for responding to the pandemic and not just saying, okay, just jab people with needles and get that vaccine in as many people as you can, um, but how can we be coordinated about that and, and make it actually happen? And that is very welcome uh, at the local level, knowing that we've got that federal support and some federal guidance coming down and not just, okay, counties here, you're, you're on your own
2: figure it out you know one of the things i think that was a misstep in all this was completely relying on the military and the logistics command in the military to oversee this they're great at building bridges across rivers they're not really good at being ups and delivering to you know every little town and nook and cranny in the country and i joked earlier that means you put a nurse on every UPS truck or every FedEx truck, and then you could get everybody in the country inoculated in two days. Or if you're a Prime member, you get inoculated in one day. And you know, recently Amazon has offered their services actually, you know, to help uh, with the distribution. So um, you know, not to place the blame, but thinking about it, you know, all the military should be able to handle something like this. It's not really their job to do retail delivery of, uh, of product, which is what was required in this case.
4: Yeah, that's correct. And I, I have to agree with you that I don't believe that the military was necessarily the best first choice for this. And I, I do have to put a plug out there, though, is that a lot of public health has um, – Public health departments across the state have requested various different levels of assistance from the National Guard throughout the pandemic, um, whether it was for testing or trying to um, get the vaccine prepared and administered. And they have been a big help as far as just lending additional non-medical personnel for um, for making sure that you know some of these mass vaccination clinics that have been happening across the state were able to to actually happen. And they're doing things like you know, controlling flow of traffic or, you know, handing out educational materials while the healthcare providers and medical personnel are actually able to focus on just giving those injections into people. Um, same with testing, they're able to help, you know, label, Specimen tubes and you know shuffle paperwork to make sure that our testing um, continues to happen in the way that it needs to happen. Um, so big shout out to the Montana National Guard for all the help that they have given to local health departments throughout this response and other people, other organizations that are helping with the response. But definitely on a higher level, I don't necessarily think that um, that the military was the best choice for trying to. Um, push this out and you know really they should have probably relied more heavily on people who had better knowledge of how to manage a pandemic and how to manage vaccine and the best ways for for delivery of that product.
2: One of the things that's the most disturbing to me is is, uh, we were told by the former HHS uh, Director Azar that we had a reserve of vaccine that has proven not to be true. And so that's part of not only the delay in delivery of the first shot, but certainly the delay in delivery of a second shot. Am I correct in that, Cindy? We don't have a reserve?
4: To my knowledge, there is not a reserve. And um, just to clarify too, the 1500 doses of vaccine that we're gonna be getting into Missoula County um, is for first dose vaccine. Right. We get automatic shipments of um, the booster doses so that we can get those people in because unlike uh, like with the flu shot, whenever it was H1N1 and you had to get two doses, um, you could get that second dose at any point in time after 28 days. And with the COVID-19 vaccine, you have 24 hours, you have a 24 hour window of that either 21 or 28 days to get that second dose. And so um, it has to be much more coordinated. And that's why, you know, they allocate 1,500 per week of first doses. And then we automatically get shipments for second doses.
2: Yeah. I know we have 39,000 or so possible people eligible for 1B. Uh, Recently, I was uh, looking at what's happened in large cities like L.A. and New York, where people have signed up and have their slot to go and get their shot and they end up waiting five hours or it gets canceled because they run out of dosage. It really, in some ways, you know, relatively speaking, we're better off. We don't have those massive numbers to deal with and try to move around logistically and serve in a given day. So, um, you know, know, it reminds
1: me of, uh, when I first moved here from back East and I wanted to buy an iPhone, uh, you couldn't get an iPhone in New York and, you know, every time a new phone came out, you had to wait weeks here. There's always an iPhone available here. If you want a vaccine, hopefully you won't have to wait that long or, you know, you won't have as much of a problem. That's hope. That's what I'm hoping. Right. Um, let's see if that works. I can tell you my mother in Florida was how to make an appointment and Arnie to your point these folks, she had to hop around from one park to the next park to the next park to find the available vaccines. There's just zero organization there around the vaccine.
3: Well, yeah, made of
4: buttoned what- up. Yeah, that's what we're trying to avoid here in Missoula County. And that's why we have the vaccine coordination team. And I know that um, speaking with other healthcare providers and organizations that are going to be delivering vaccine, um, we're all, we all have the same idea of, okay, we're not going to schedule appointments until we know for sure how many doses of vaccine that we're going to have for that day. And then we'll schedule the appointments accordingly. You know, so if we know that, okay, we're only getting 500 doses of vaccine next week, And, yeah, we want to, you know, start doing these mass vaccination clinics. You you know, we have to schedule according to how many doses of vaccine that we're getting because we don't want people to have to be bouncing from one location to the other. And we don't want people to be standing in line in the cold. And the last thing we want is for people to be congregating in the middle of COVID um, waiting to get the vaccine. We don't want to have an outbreak associated you know or a cluster associated with people who were standing in line waiting to get vaccinated so we want it and all of our providers want it to be a fluid process where people come in they're there for a certain slot time they just move through the line they get vaccinated and they make their way out rather than you know for those who recall what it was like to get vaccinated during h1n1 where we had multiple vaccination tables and lots and lots of nurses and people mm. were standing, you know, we would count off the first 500 people that stood in line and that's who got vaccinated that day. Um, it's a lot different with COVID because we just can't have people congregating like that. So yeah, we, we are taking a coordinated approach to that here in Missoula County.
2: Plus the, the vaccine itself has a limited shelf life. You can't have it sitting around for a couple of days, you know, after it's uh, defrosted, so to speak.
4: Yep, correct. And so, um, all of those things are the things that we're taking into account when we're scheduling the clinics and scheduling people for appointments is how many doses are in each vial. And most of the time there's supposed to be a 10 dose vial, but most of the time we can get 11 doses out of it. Mm. Um, we've been using Moderna because we don't have the ultra cold storage at the, um, at the health department. And so that's helpful to know that, you know, we can almost always count on 11 you know, 11 doses in a vial. Mm. Um, so we do utilize that whenever we're scheduling people for appointments. Um, but yeah, we, we have to say, okay, we we want to get through the doses that we have without having to open up a new vial for the people that we've got scheduled, because we are certainly not going to waste the vaccine. It's sure. too precious at this point.
2: Sure. Are you going to give people the option if they want to choose between uh, Moderna or the Pfizer, if they if they have an intre- if they have an interest in having one or the other,
4: I think that most providers are going to have one or the other. I believe that our health department clinic um, that is over at the Lucky's Market, we are only going to be having Moderna vaccine, but I know that, you know, the hospitals have the ability to have Pfizer because they have ultra cold storage. Um, The University School of Pharmacy is doing some mass vaccination efforts and they're able to have the Pfizer vaccine because they also have that cold storage. So I think that my recommendation for people who have a preference of one over the other is to find out, you know, who is delivering which vaccine and go to that provider for that vaccine.
2: Right, and is it, I I, th- I think I remember that the, uh, the Pfizer is a two week and the Moderna is a three week for the second shot or is it vice versa?
4: Uh, I believe that it is, the Pfizer is 28 days okay. and the Moderna is 21 days.
1: Okay, so three and four. Cindy, switch gears for a second. You know, we've now been with COVID almost 11 months, close to 11 months. We've talked a lot about the progress that's been made. We've talked a lot about now vaccines, where to get vaccines. The thing that we don't talk enough about, I think, is the emotional and mental um, impact that COVID has wreaked on uh, on the whole, on the community and in general. Um how are you guys equipped to kind of deal with with that as well because that's such a yeah. uh, the silent kind of uh the silent kind of symptoms of covid that people don't talk about or necessarily exhibit
4: yeah so we have um, the a group in the county called the COAD which is community organizations active in disasters. And um, a lot of our, so when I am not being the incident commander for uh, the COVID response for the health department, I supervise, I'm the Health Promotion Division Director. So I supervise a lot of prevention programs such as suicide prevention, obesity prevention, substance use prevention. And so a lot of my regular staff actually work um, with other organizations on that COAD group to Mm -hmm. ensure that there are resources available to folks in the community who maybe you're experiencing a high level of anxiety or depression because you have had to quarantine or you're anxious because you don't want to go out in public because you don't want to be exposed to the disease or you struggle with substance use issues and, you know, are having a more difficult time with that during the times of COVID, um, then some, some of those co groups have put together some resources for people who are struggling with, um, mental health or depression or substance use or, you know, or maybe they are struggling to pay the rent because they had to get quarantined for two weeks and weren't able to, you know, to cover their rent anymore. Um, a lot of those resources can be found at the COVID-19 missoula.co website. Um, But we definitely recognize that, you know, this pandemic is taking a toll on everybody and it affects everyone in a different way. And for some people, they're like, well, this is just life as we know it. And I'm just going to figure out how to adjust. But for other people, they may have some real struggles. And so we want people to know that there are resources available in the community if you if you are struggling with some of those other issues.
2: I have a lot of empathy and compassion for people who have virtual funerals, virtual weddings, haven't been able to see their grandparents. You know, if you're in a nursing home, you basically can't go in there and visit anybody. Um, all of those kinds of things that have happened, all the group events that you had that would happen in your life, you know, have been muted, and you see examples of them uh, on the, in the media and on the news on a regular basis, and that has, uh, I think, a lasting effect on, on people, mm. and uh, it's not just you know you can be as safe as you want to be and you could have gotten the vaccine but you're still going to be limited in some of the normal interaction that feeds your you know emotional you know and psychological needs and then and it's been going on for a long time you haven't been deprived for 1 month or 2 months you might have been deprived for a year
4: Yeah. And that is definitely, it's a real issue. And, you know, I know that another thing that, you know, we're recognizing, and I see it in my own household because I have a preschool age child that has not been around other children for almost a year because Mm -hmm. he now just stays at home with us. And so we're, you know, we are his playmates because he doesn't have little friends that he can go play with at daycare. And it's the same for kids who are, you know, school age children who are, Doing um, online learning and they're not getting the social interactions or you know the the developmental levels that they need to be at. So yeah, it's definitely affecting everyone at this point. And I have to say that you know in in my lifetime, this is the longest the, uh, the longest pandemic that we've had to endure. And, you know, we would like to see a light at the end of the tunnel. And we know that at some point we are going to get through this. But I think what I would um, recommend to people is, you know, figure out if there are ways that you you can help your fellow neighbors and help your friends. If you know that they're struggling and they're isolated, trying to figure out other ways. Um, I have a 105-year-old grandmother who has not been able to see anyone except her caretaker. She still lives at home. And um, one thing that, you know, one of her grandchildren set up for her was a Facebook page dedicated to her. um, And she does, you know, FaceTime video chats. And um, she asked people to send grandma cards for Christmas because she couldn't participate in her church activities and her other things like that. And she ended up getting oh my gosh, hundreds, hundreds of cards from strangers. And that just lit up her day. You wouldn't believe how happy it made her to know that somebody was thinking of her. And so I would challenge people to really think about um, your circles and your groups and the people that you care about. And, you know, think of other ways that you can help bolster people's, you know, energy and self-esteem and, and you know, their mental health that maybe is just going to have to be different than what you would, you know, maybe normally you would have a potluck at church after, after church on Sunday. Well, we can't do that right now. So what other ways can you um, reach out to your community and really try and instill some good um, to help us get through the hard times of the pandemic?
2: You know, I think we all need to, uh, you know, think about that and focus on that. But one of the other things that I think is important in terms of, you know, being accurate and fair and, you know, and scientifically, uh, you know, honest in this in this new uh, uh, age of pandemic is that there are permutations of the COVID-19 that some people believe, some scientists believe are even more deadly. Do you, Have you discussed that, Cindy? And are we into a phase in which... You know, the COVID's been around for a long time. This is COVID nineteen. There are a lot of other COVID's. We're we're seeing deadlier, obviously COVID um, viruses. Have you discussed about what what's going to happen? Is it going to become a regular thing that people are going to have to get vaccinated every year, like we do for flus, in response to a uh, a, a per, you know mutating uh, COVID virus?
4: Yeah, so we have talked a little bit about this. I don't think I've talked too much about it publicly because there's still a lot of research being done in this area. Um, And so one thing that um, what we do know at this time is that there are variants of the COVID-19 that are starting to circulate. Um, Typically, it starts off in one geographical area and then moves, uh, moves around from there. Um, So far, we know that the vaccine has been effective against the variants that have occurred, but we also know that coronaviruses are known for mutating. That's why, um, so the common cold, the common cold is a coronavirus. There is no vaccine for the common cold because we know that it is likely to mutate to the point where a vaccine isn't really going to do you any good. And so um, as we move forward and we see more of these variants coming out and, you know, if if we get to a point where we start to see a variant that is no longer covered by the vaccine, then, you know, we could end up in a situation kind of like the flu where you have to get vaccinated every year for the strains that are circulating during that time period.
1: That makes sense. Let's take a quick break. Our guest is Cindy Farr. She is with the Missoula City and County Health Department COVID-19 incident. We will be back right after this with our final words. All right, Arnie, we are back with our guest, Cindy Farr. Cindy, we're in flu season.
2: What's going on with the flu separate from COVID? COVID.
4: Yeah, so what we are finding is that because people have been following the uh, mask mandates and wearing masks when they're in public and social distancing and extra hand washing, we are seeing significantly less flu this year at this time than what we saw in previous years. Um, As a matter of fact, in Missoula County, we have not had a single case of confirmed influenza yet this year. I'm not saying that we're not going to see it. We likely will. But I do believe that all of the extra precautions that are in place to protect from COVID are helping to protect from flu as well.
2: Once again, you mentioned it during the show, but once again, how do people stay on top of the ever-changing nature of What's happening with COVID and what's happening with vaccinations and testing and all of that? Where, where's the one source to go to?
4: So you can go to our website at MissoulaInfo.com and we will have information there about what's happening with um, testing, wh- what we're seeing as far as trends and cases, and we'll have a link there to um, the COVID 19. Missoula. Co webpage where you can get additional resources if you um, need mental health resources, if you need housing assistance, if you want to find out the best place to go to get vaccinated. That link will be at on our page, but you can also go to COVID19. Missoula. Co.
2: Fantastic. Cindy, thank you. You've been a terrific guest. You've given us a lot of information in a in a short period of time. And and uh, we're very appreciative that you're the incident commander for uh, for this.
4: Oh, thank you so much. And thanks for having me on. All right.
1: We'll speak soon, Cindy. Take care. Arnie, I'll see yep. you next week. Thank you for listening to What Do You Know? I can't wait for the next show, Scott. I'm excited, too, Arnie. If you'd like to suggest a guest, send me an email at scottrichman at com. We'll see you next week. And thanks for listening to News Talk KGVO.